0: Welcome to the Total Soccer Show. My name is Daryl Grove and I'm joined by the man who said Argentina couldn't do it. His name is Taylor Rockwell. Hello.
1: Don't you put that evil on me. Don't you put that evil on me. It was me. <laughs> it was me who in the Argentina preview <laughs> oh, basically
0: suggested this team has no chance. They're going to get beat up badly at the World Cup.
1: How big were the bullets you were sweating today?
0: Uh, so, uh, actually, so we can do this review uh-huh. of the game later, right? Yeah. We're going to talk US Women's National Team first. But I will tell you this. Started out big bullets, uh-huh. so I was kind of like, all right, I need, I need Japan to score <laughs> so that I don't look bad. You had right?
1: such a strange rooting
0: interest in Japan sorry. Right? I really did want Japan to <laughs> beat Argentina, just so I didn't look bad yep. on my preview. But towards the end, I would kind of got into the mode of, all right, I've put 70 minutes into this. They've put 70 hard minutes into this. Mm-hmm. They kind of deserve it. yeah. Um, and at least it'll give me something to talk about on the show. There you go. Perfect. <laughs> so I ended up kind of not quite rooting for them, yeah. but at least feeling like... Oh, go on then.
1: Yeah, exactly. I like. Yeah, it morphed from I, I need to be I need to be right. They better get scored on a bunch. Yeah. To like, Yeah. Hold on. Yeah. Hold on, mighty Argentina. Yeah. yeah. It's almost as if
0: um, I realised that maybe I was less important than the entire Argentina <laughs> women's national team competing at the World Cup. I suppose that's. Yeah. True. Getting their first ever point to some folk, not to me, but to some folk, yes. <laughs> Thank you very much. Of course. Also, you know, it was quite hard to root for Japan given their their decisions during the game. Oh yeah. 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 So we'll get into all There's of that the, too. We'll get into all of that later, as well as Canada, Cameroon, when we do a wrap. Up of the day's action. I thought for a minute you were about
1: to make like bad history jokes, and I was like, hey, Mm -mm. that's my lane. Mm -mm. (laughs) You stay out of there. No, no, no. Gotcha.
0: No, no, no. All right. Um, But first, Mm -hmm. I believe, Taylor, earlier today before you met me, Mm -hmm. uh, you recorded an interview. With Caitlin Murray, I did. Um, uh, She's kind of our correspondent um, in France. Yes, I was going to say in Paris. I assume Mm -hmm. she's in France talking U.S. women's national team. Our friend in France. Our friend in France, Caitlin Murray. Mm -hmm. um, She is previewing the U.S. women's national team's opening World Cup game against Thailand. With you. She is? I haven't heard it. I want to know what you ask her about. I've kept it from you this yeah. whole time. Mostly we just talk about you uh, <laughs> and your bad
1: prediction about Argentina. Uh, no, it's about, it is It is somewhat about USA Thailand, but uh, as uh, listeners will probably not be surprised by the prediction is that they will win handily the United yeah. States. So I think they're sort of trying not to like go down that route the players are. So it's, it's a little bit about Thailand. It's a little bit about what the United States is going to try to do against them and maybe okay. how they're going to kind of use that to game plan against
0: future opposition Which is. Italy. Interesting yeah. in the face of what happened today, where Canada only mm-hmm. beat Cameroon 1-0, yeah. and say Japan didn't manage to score at all against Argentina like there yes. are risks for bigger teams going against smaller teams who we assume are going to go defensive
1: that is definitely true yeah. but then we also uh, talk about like, the preparations how they've been how France has been all right. uh, also there's a fairly fairly longer conversation about uh, Hope Solo's comments about Jill Ellis and oh how so you the, put some drama in it yeah about how Jill Ellis and some of the players have responded to that and and I also ask her about like Hope Solo's perception within the team which she answers as well because okay. she
0: wrote a whole book about him shall I stop wasting everything what it's time then and let, let our listeners get to the uh, taylor and caitlin murray interview
1: uh, you should uh, i should also remind our listeners uh caitlin murray references her book in the interview that yeah. book is the national team the inside story of the women who changed soccer i knew that available knew that. wherever you get books i
0: have a copy do you still get books you oh, can get books right you can still okay, get books cool. yeah. things aren't quite that bad yet all right that's yeah. good ask me again next year <laughs> yes <laughs> all right so here's taylor's interview with caitlin about the u.s women's national team
1: with me now, all the way from France, I think on a balcony overlooking the stadium, is Caitlin Murray of The Guardian, covering the uh, the U.S. Women's National Team for The Guardian. Caitlin, thank you very much for taking the time to chat with me today.
2: Of course. Thanks for having me.
1: Of course. So you, uh, I think the field inspection is currently happening, or has that already <laughs> uh, been underway?
2: No, I was not allowed out oh, okay. there while the field inspection was happening, but it was being broadcast live in the media room, and as far as I could tell, the media inspection was the players taking selfies of themselves. <laughs> exactly. Um, so that is over now I'm allowed out and I'm overlooking the stadium that the teams will be playing in tomorrow
1: all right and what is the vibe in camp so far I know you haven't been in France too long but I'm wondering how the team is kind of feeling about the game against Thailand
2: yeah I mean I I think they feel pretty confident um you know it's interesting kind of going to the press conferences with the U.S. being the last team that is going to actually start playing in this world cup uh it feels sort of like uh the media are trying to figure out what the storylines within the team are because it's kind of easy to look past thailand a little bit and even past the group stage so there's not really any sort of kind of overarching narrative right now it's just the players are confident they're focused on thailand people keep trying to ask them about questions about other teams and they're not really indulging those very much. They're just sort of saying that they're focused on Thailand. But as far as I can tell, the team looks to be in good spirits, you know, tight knit group. They Mm -hmm. talk about their bubble a lot and not paying attention to what the media has to say. So um, yeah, I mean, I think it's pretty usual stuff, honestly, but the team does seem to be in a good place.
1: And like in terms of preparing for that Thailand game, because as you said, it is pretty easy to overlook them. Uh, How do you think the team is going about preparing for them? What do you think we should expect maybe in terms of the lineup and maybe their approach to that game?
2: Yeah, Jill Ellis was actually asked um, in the press conference that just ended about a half hour ago. And she was asked about, has she thought about the other games and kind of how you rotate and you look at the fact that Sweden, the actual toughest opponent, is the last game of the group. And Jalil, of course, did not give anything away. She sort of joked, yes, I've thought about that, and that's my whole answer to that question. (laughs) I think that the U.S. is going to come out with their strongest lineup. They aren't going to look past Thailand. They want to... Come out with a statement of intent because, you know, I talked about how there's not many storylines right now within the team. Something the U.S. has been asked a lot about is how good France looked in the opening game. And does that kind of put pressure on them or inspire the Americans to kind of show up and... I think it does. I think you want to come out of the gate strong and kind of send a message to the rest of the competition. So I fully expect that's what the US is going to want to do.
0: And for
1: you personally, or maybe just for helping our listeners, like how would you go about evaluating the performance against Thailand? Because, like, I, I know we're all hoping for lots of goals, but I think sometimes that can be like a bit of a, like a a bad way to go because suddenly if the United States hasn't scored in 30 minutes, but they're dominating and they're doing exactly what they want to do, then it still might not look very good if they're only like 1-0 up or something like that. So what are some things like you would like to see? What are some signs you think that the United States is sort of implementing their game plan and having the success that they would be hoping for?
2: Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't even really look at the goals to mean anything because look, we all know that this U.S. team is incredibly effective at attacking. They are going to score goals in this tournament. I don't think there's really any question about that. The question marks are about the defense. And it's not as if Thailand is going to score a bunch of goals on the U.S. It would frankly be a surprise if Thailand scored once. Mm -hmm. But we have seen against weaker competition that the U.S. has looked vulnerable to the counterattack where they've Gotten caught really far up, and it's just the fact that their opponent wasn't very good at finishing. Um, I remember Romania scored a goal against the US, um, I think in 2017, and it was one goal. I think the US won that game six to one, so it didn't really mean anything. But I looked at that and I thought, hmm, this seems like a problem. Mm-hmm. And I think we've seen time and time again that the way Romania scored that goal is how the U.S. concedes goals. It's usually they're caught in transition, caught too far up the field, and get sort of exposed in that way. So, you know, I'll be curious to see if Thailand is able to kind of reveal any sort of those vulnerabilities. Mm-hmm. I'm less sort of worried about the goals. I think even if they don't score a bunch in this game, they're going to come, um, you know, especially as the tournament gets rolling, they get into a rhythm. You know, I, I think... People talk about goals, but I would be looking more at the defense and whether they're getting caught up a little bit.
1: And so, will you be keeping an eye on like the center backs? Is that the fullbacks getting like too far forward? Is that Julie Ertz staying back a little bit more? Like, what do you think will be the kind of sign that the United States is paying attention to the threat of counterattacks?
2: Yeah, I mean, usually what happens is the fullbacks push really far up the field, and then um, you know the midfield. Uh, Julie Ertz, if if she doesn't make that tackle, she doesn't stop that oncoming attack, then it's just kind of like the center backs alone. Um, and look, Becky Sauerbrunn, I think, has been one of the best center backs in the world. Um, Abby Dahlkemper has proved herself, but I don't think the center backs for the U.S. have a ton of speed. And I think they are definitely vulnerable to a team that can... Um, really just hit really quickly on the counter. Like I said, the fullbacks get caught so far up, and the midfield doesn't have a lot of steel in it. Um, Julie Ertz is a really important player. She can't do everything. She can't be everywhere on the field and stop everything that's going to be approaching from the opponent. So that's probably what I'd be looking for
1: and um i know I know you're you're probably a little jet lagged uh so I don't know how much time you've uh, very had gentle. okay exactly. we we'll, we'll say very <laughs> jet lagged uh but have you heard much about like any anyone in particular on Thailand or the way that they expect Thailand to play in terms of what maybe uh like listeners should be paying attention to, how they might approach it, or maybe who their key player might be
2: honestly, no uh when the u s is asked about Thailand, they sort of. Give the generic answer that they're uh-huh. not looking past any of their opponents. Thailand uh, is a good team. Every team that made it is a good team. Of course. Jill Ellis today said, you know, the fact that Thailand is in back to back World Cups means something, that they're, you know, improving and growing. Um, I would say listeners should probably just listen to the preview show that you and Daryl did, which um, I have to listen to tonight. Because uh, I'm sure you did a much better job of preparing people for Thailand than uh, Jill Ellis did, or than I can.
1: I appreciate that. Well, then I'll ask you a different uh, Jill Ellis question. And thank you for listening. We appreciate the the downloads, especially since I think they'll come from France. So it looks like we're even more European. Yeah, you're thank international. You that. Yeah. There we go. <laughs> um, has there been much reaction to Hope Solo's comments about Jill Ellis? Uh, I, I'm wondering if she's if Jill Ellis has been asked about them, uh, or if there's been much kind of uh, if there's been any comment on those from the players. I doubt there has been.
2: Yeah, I mean, that sort of dominated uh, the questions uh, yesterday. Uh, Julie Ertz and Alyssa Nair were available to the media, and uh, that was the first question that was asked. Ah. And the players, of course, said they had not seen the comments, so they couldn't comment, and they're in a bubble. They're not following social media, so they kind of got out of that one a little bit. Jill Ellis was asked uh, tonight about it, and uh, she said, comments are comments. Um, and she said, you know, she's had to make a lot of decisions as a coach. She has processes that she uses to make those decisions. And the team is kind of focused on what's happening internally. They're not really focused on what's happening externally. Hope Solo, you know, since she's been kicked off the team, she is an external factor. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, she deflected it Um which I think is exactly what we all expected.
1: Uh, and what about you? What do you make of her criticisms? Uh, I I'm I'm pretty torn. I'll be totally honest because I was interested in some of the things she said, particularly about relying on assistance. But then also to your earlier point, with the U.S. playing like the last game of the of the group stages or of the first round of the group stages, and like there not being much else to talk about, it also feels a little bit like oh, there's not much to talk about. Well, here's Hope Solo lobbing in a bomb.
2: <laughs> yeah. Um... Yeah, I mean, it's interesting. I think um, there's probably a kernel of truth to what Hope Solo has said, but I also think that, I mean, Hope Solo has a potential axe to grind, right? I mean, Jill Ellis kicked her off the team. Uh, Great anecdote in my book, (laughs) if anyone wants to pick it up. Just a shameless plug there for you, but um, yeah, I mean, we can't pretend that Hope Solo is sort of a neutral commentator on these issues. Um, I think it was interesting specifically that she called out set pieces and not watching uh, goals being conceded on set pieces. 2016 had some uh, bad set pieces, and we know that Hope Solo let in a couple of goals. Um, so it's just a sort of interesting context to think about, you know, what was she maybe referring to or what was she trying to address in those comments um you know i don't know uh I'm, this isn't going to be the last we're going to hear of hope solo she's going to be doing stuff for bbc she's actually like columnist for the guardian throughout the world cup so um you know i'm interested for more of her takes because there's one if there's one thing about hope solo it's that she says exactly what she's thinking she doesn't really hold back so You know, you have to appreciate that at least.
1: How Actually, I was going to ask that. How do you think she is sort of uh, like viewed from within the locker room as a former teammate now as like kind of you said an external factor, but still a pundit? Still, like I would say, a person who's been very front and center for the U.S. Women's National Team in years past, has been a leader. How do you think they kind of think of her these days?
2: Yeah, I mean. That's a good question. I think, um, you know, Carly Lloyd and Hope Solo were really close when they were on the team together. Um, I think that probably other players weren't as close with Hope Solo. Mm -hmm. Um, I, I have to assume that the players, you know, they talk about their bubble, they talk about not being distracted. I'm sure they don't appreciate having to address these things. Um, But I mean, it it was, I guess it's something new to talk about because the, you know, the other thing that kept coming up in the press conferences is Alyssa Nair following in the footsteps of Hope Solo and, you know, can she rise to the opportunity? And, um, you know, Alyssa Nair has kind of been, um, really a focal point for criticism and questions and at least it was maybe a different storyline to talk about, Mm -hmm. um, You know, the other big storyline has been Carly Lloyd, the fact that she's not starting. And uh, I thought it was interesting tonight in the press conference, Jill Ellis, um, you know, you actually asked me on a previous podcast if Carly Lloyd is sort of a bad presence in the locker room because she's not a starter and she's openly admitted that she's not happy about it and she thinks she should be a starter. And Jill Ellis said she loves that. She loves that. Carly thinks that she can come in and impact a game and it's not a problem at all and that's how Carly's always been. Um, So, yeah, I think the Hope Solo stuff just kind of gives everyone something new to focus on, maybe the players appreciate that. Um, My guess is they don't, but, um, (laughs) you know, either way, they're really not going to say very much. So we have to kind of guess.
1: Did did she say that about Carly Lloyd through gritted teeth is my next question? Was she like, I love it. It's wonderful. when she questions (laughs) it publicly.
2: No, actually, I was taking notes and the question uh, was phrased as... um, you know, whether it was a problem or something. And I noticed that Jill Ellis laughed. And the first thing she said is she said, no, I've coached Carly for years. I think that there's sort of an understanding between uh, Jill Ellis and Carly Lloyd. And I really got the sense that that was the genuine feeling is that Jill just she loves that Carly is such a competitor and she wants her to. Be angry and play with a chip on her shoulder, and then you know unleash her when the U.S. needs her. So uh, let me. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I think it's only a good thing. So
1: if if the United States does find itself in a position, because this is something uh, Daryl and I talked about when we were talking, I think when we did the U.S. women's part of the Group F preview, um, we talked a little bit about like some concerns we have about uh, Alex Morgan. If Carly Lloyd comes in and starts scoring, if Alex Morgan maybe doesn't look as sharp, Carly Lloyd scores some some big time goals. Do you think Jill Ellis? kind of backs herself to potentially start Carly Lloyd in a knockout round over Alex Morgan? Or do you expect her more so to stick with Alex Morgan unless things are, like, catastrophic?
2: Yeah, I thought about that, too, because Carly has been sort of on a roll. She's been scoring a lot of goals. Um, and I thought it was really funny that she was asked about uh, the fact that she's been in good form and she's been scoring a lot of goals lately. And she was asked, you know, what's different And she said, I've been in good form for the last two years. I wasn't a bad soccer player and became a good soccer player overnight. I've always been in good form, which I thought was a hilarious response because it was very direct. (laughs) Um, I've thought about that, though, and I think that the way Alex Morgan plays and the way Carly Lloyd plays are so different. Mm -hmm. And I think people focus a lot on whether Alex Morgan is scoring, which should. She's a striker. That's her job. But she does so much more in terms of checking back, holding up the ball, uh, providing to other players, um, playing sort of a more, more mobile role and affecting the game in other ways that I just don't know if that's the way Carly plays. And I think the U.S., Kind of counts on Alex to play that way. So um, if the US is still getting goals from other players, I don't know if they're going to change it up and just, um, you know, Jill Ellis is yeah. going to abandon what I think has been the plan in her mind for such a long time. Uh, but, you know, we did see in 2015 that she did actually change some things up toward the end based on who was playing well. Um, but yeah, I. It will be interesting to see. I don't know. We'll we'll have to see on that one. All right. Well, if she
1: does change it up, uh, I'm assuming you'll be there to to write about it, to hopefully talk to uh, to us about it. Uh, what is your schedule like for the next like 24 hours or so leading up to this game?
2: Um. Actually, the the day of a game for reporters, I think, is usually pretty chill <laughs> because there's no availabilities. You've probably yeah. written all the things that you've needed to write. Um, I've only checked out, re, well, it's pronounced Rontz or something. <laughs> I've only checked out <laughs> the city a little bit. So, um, you know, maybe I'll try to check out some more of it. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I'm really excited for the, this World Cup to finally start. It feels like we've just kind of been on hold and been talking yeah. about the same things over and over again. I mean, I can't think of a reporter who has not written that Carly Lloyd story. So, you know, (laughs) we just need some games to happen. Is
1: is everyone just like keeping in their back pocket like, all right, it's a slow Tuesday. I guess I got to write the Carly Lloyd story now.
2: (laughs) Well, I mean, it's a legitimate story. Like, it's a big thing to talk about. And I think especially with World Cups, you get a lot of people who they only tune in every four years. So they remember Carly Lloyd as the hero in 2015. And it's going to be weird for them to see that she's not a starter very true. uh i mean it's a, it's a story you have to talk about it but um yeah i'm just kind of ready to have some actual games to talk about you know <laughs>
1: instead of the rigorous field inspection that makes sense to me all right well then well then caitlin uh, i'll let you go thank you very much for for taking the time and hopefully we can talk to you maybe later on the week uh hopefully after the united states have won and looked convincing and not been counterattacked upon
2: <laughs> sounds good i'll talk to you then
0: so that was Kellen Murray talking to Mr. Taylor Rockwell. It was uh, indeed. Who is here with me now. Um- Turns out you didn't talk about me at all. We did not. <laughs>
1: <laughs> we did not. We'll save that for the next time. Uh, when yeah, hopefully we'll have Caitlin back on, uh, maybe to look towards the game against Chile. Yep. Maybe chat a little bit about Thailand, and then as well as kind of keep us informed on all things that are happening within the camp. I, I'm, I, I I'm sure we, she'll like tunnel in and find all the information.
0: Yeah, was she having a good time in France? At
1: least I think she was pretty jet lagged. I think oh. I think she had arrived not long before we spoke.
0: Is she West Coast? Uh,
1: yes, she is. Oh, okay,
0: so it's what nine hours by the time you get to France. Ten hours, I think. know, no, you're right, nine hours. Yeah, nine. Nine. yeah. you got it
1: right. You got it right. You know your European time.
0: Oh, yeah. I've, I can say I've been back and forth across the Atlantic. Oh, have maybe, you? Maybe more than is necessary.
1: That's probably true. <laughs> That's probably true.
0: <laughs> okay, so we'll talk maybe um, a little more US-Thailand uh, later mm-hmm. when we sort of talk about what's happening tomorrow. But first, mm-hmm. you've got to make sure you can see those games This is true with the correct contact lens prescription. See what I did I there? see what
1: you've done there. See what I did there. You've brought it to today's sponsor, Simple Contacts. Yes. Our friends over at Simple Contacts, uh, they make getting contacts for your eyes and therefore for your face as easy as possible.
0: I don't think that's their official copy list. Is line. it not? No. It's more that Simple Contacts is the most convenient way to renew your contact lens prescription uh-huh. and reorder your brands of contacts from anywhere. In minutes, it's Vision Care for the 21st century. It is. But yours was a good like, good second place.
1: I'm going to keep going with it because, <laughs> it is. as they say, there are a million things demanding your time. Uh, one of those things is the Women's World Cup. There are games oh, yeah. on all the time. There yep. are replays of those games that you can watch if you haven't watched them in the first run. And then if maybe if you did and you want to see it again, you can do that too. Use your game. So... If you've got all that going on, you then maybe don't have time to go to the doctor, to wait, to wait on hold, to schedule the appointment. Yeah. But Simple Contacts makes it very easy for you to get those contacts. So there
0: are two main things about Simple Contacts. What so you get The got? first is, like you said, you have to go to the – did you call them the doctors? The, uh-huh. the eye doctors. Yeah. yeah
1: I still don't know the difference between, like, the three different types of eye doctor yeah. or if there even is one. I just say eye place. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yours <laughs> Yours is definitely
0: better. <laughs> I go eye place. I see things. If you don't want to go eye place, uh-huh. you can renew your prescription. Yeah. Um, Um, Using the Simple Contacts app, you can do it on your phone, you can do it on your laptop, you can do it on your tablet, Mm -hmm. and you essentially take a vision test that takes maybe five minutes. It's reviewed by an actual eye doctor, Mm -hmm. um, and assuming everything checks out, then your prescription is renewed. You don't have to go and see eye doctor. (laughs) I like, I like that we've created a scenario in which a caveman, I think, is going to eye place to see eye guy. I mean, caveman's eyes disappear yeah. as well. Right? Yeah. Uh, so con- not, they didn't all have 2020 vision. This is true. This, they definitely did not. But they could get $20 off.
1: They could. How could they do that, Mr. Grove? Uh,
0: if you go to simplecontacts.com slash tss20... Yep or you use the code at checkout, TSS20, so the letter's TSS, the number's two zero, you will get $20 off. Did I say 20%? I meant $20 off the cost of your contact lenses.
1: Let's do that one more time. And then uh, to get $20 off your contacts, uh, go to simplecontacts.com slash TSS20, enter the code TSS20 at checkout to get $20 off. Uh, remember, this is not a replacement for your periodic full eye health exam, but it is a way to get vision without leaving your home.
0: Get vision yes. without leaving your home or... Or watching the Avengers. Yes. Or watching the weakest plot part of the Avengers. Correct. Fair? <laughs> yes.
1: <laughs> Pauses for a moment to think. Agrees wholeheartedly.
0: And just to double-underline confirm, mm. I said 20%. I meant $20 <laughs> off. $20 off. All right. TSS 20. The link will be in the show notes.
1: We're doing great. Let's talk some Women's World Cup, shall we?
0: Yes. Well, we're doing better than Japan.
1: This is true. This is true. So this is Argentina-Japan. Argentina-Japan finishes nil-nil. Uh, Neither one of us saw this coming i don't think anybody did and I do feel like there was a sort of uh, course correction from some where it became this like heroic story of this team who found a way to, like to get a point, and that yeah. is true, but it is I do, true. Th- but I do think part of that was sort of in response to maybe some of those same people, us included, a little bit dismissing Argentina's chances. And yeah. then when it ended up finishing nil-nil against a team that, as uh, many pointed out, has been in the World Cup final two times in a row. The last two World kind Cup finals. of a big deal, yeah.
0: Yep. So I want to maybe start with why I was so disrespectful sure. to Argentina. And I should, in a way, apologize, right? Because um, they've massively exceeded what I expected of them. Mm-hmm. The footage I saw, the games I saw, their defending was... Really, really bad. It was a lot mm-hmm. of like a lot of players would like chase down one player and leave someone else open. It was losing people on set pieces all the time and uh, creating opportunities. It was an inability to clear the ball. Mm-hmm. Like they really couldn't clear the ball. They couldn't progress it forward. They would give up possession. Um, what's really interesting to me um, is they looked a little tighter in terms of their formation. Yep. But there were still a lot of those little mistakes there, right? The clearances weren't yeah. great. The, like the uh, the defensive shape was good, and the individual effort was incredible. But they still were like quite limited soccer players, and somehow found a way to get a nil nil. So I almost want to say. I was right, I was, and this was, makes this even more impressive. I was by Argentina. literally
1: about to say, "I'll say it so you don't have to," and then you said it. Yeah, yeah I, I don't think you were necessarily wrong, certainly not to the extent that you need to apologize. Although uh, I'll accept on behalf of everyone, apology accepted. <laughs> uh, we'll see if Argentina well, follows suit.
0: Maybe but, what I should have done though is I look more into their strengths yeah. as opposed to just focusing on their weaknesses. That's right? right. So that's yeah. maybe what I should mm. apologize for. But,
1: but I take your point though that when we when we both watched this, we then went back and rewatched like decent parts of it or decent chunks of it rather, and. It, it wasn't – we were looking for, like, what are Argentina doing? How are they frustrating Japan? Yeah. And there, there weren't necessarily, like, oh, they're doing this to overload this or they're doing this to, like, isolate this player. They basically – they did a lot of very hard-running, good defensive work. They kept their lines. They kept their yeah. positional shape. I mean,
0: they had a tight back four yeah. and then five midfielders mm-hmm. and then just solo up top. So it's like a four-five-one, Yes. Which – is an obstacle, mm-hmm. but it's not an insurmountable obstacle.
1: Unless you play the way Japan played. And and that, that is the thing, is like the narrative has a little bit become Argentina, plucky Argentina get their first point and it's yeah. such a great result, but man, were Japan bad. And it and it is that type of game where you want to praise Argentina, and I'm glad we've kind of started there. Yeah. Because a lot of this felt like Japan not executing in a number of different ways. Yep.
0: So here's what I saw. I saw Japan go out in a sort of weirdly narrow four four two. Yes. To attack a narrow four five one, and there was width because Argentina would like shuttle over, mm-hmm. right? Like if if Japan were going down the left, Argentina would shift slightly to the right to match them to like get numbers over that side. It was all about having numbers yeah. all the time so that Japan couldn't play through them. The obvious ball, then, is to have your right-back or your right-winger, so that would be uh, Shimizu or Nakajima, like, Mm -hmm. spread out wide right, and just a big switch, and suddenly both of those players are in space. Yeah. They never, ever, ever Mm -mm. did that. Fullback didn't go wide, winger didn't pull wide, and there was no big-switch ball. Instead, it was short, slow passes to move it from side to side... By the time they got to the side, Argentina were already there to meet them.
1: Yes. And 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 I want to add here that it wasn't the sort of like – there was one sequence when uh, Nakajima on the right, she plays it more centrally to Sugita, the one of the central midfielders. And it wasn't like she then looked for the incisive through ball or the way to split the lines. She just kind of takes a touch and then takes another touch and then she squares it to Miura, uh, the other central midfielder, who takes a touch and takes a touch and then she spreads it. Qu- quote unquote wide but uh to like, the left yeah uh yeah. hasagawa on the left isn't even that wide she's still very central and then she dribbles wide with it and the rest of japan kind of slide over and then they work it back and it's in a like 25 second time span they move yeah. the ball from one side to the other but that's way slower than it sounds like so then
0: the big question is why mm-hmm. right why didn't the japanese players or the japanese coach figure out that you just need to switch the Fit, switch mm-hmm. from side to side much more quickly yeah. and you exploit the space on the wings. How do they go 90 minutes without realizing that?
1: Well, I think part of it is that Japan uh, we talked about this a little bit in the preview but Japan have struggled to create chances in front of Gold uh, in goal. Uh, All White Kit did a good breakdown of their kind of statistics pointing out that their uh, expected goals is not very good. Yeah. So, I think they've been struggling to create. And this create is not chances. the
0: 2011 and 2015 team, right? Is, this is sort of a new generation of Japanese players. Yeah. yeah.
1: it's I mean with with veterans sprinkled in certainly, yeah. but there's a lot of new blood coming through, but part part of that problem has been they've been and I talked about this in the preview they've been rotating people up top they've been rotating goal scorers Hasegawa has, who started on the left wing or left midfield She up,
0: up top I think she did after they made some subs right? I think they may have yeah. yeah
1: but like she's played there she's played on the right side she's they've, they rotate a lot of their forwards and so I think they haven't necessarily found a recipe or a formula that works yeah. and I think you saw that here that it was sort of okay we'll put them there we'll kind of put a bunch of numbers in the middle so that like we can't get countered really quickly by Argentina we won't really worry about them on the channels because that's not necessarily how they're going to attack, and we should be able to find a way through. And then the other thing about Japan is that when they're losing, they don't tend to come, from, come back. It's been kind of a hallmark of this team lately, but they also really, really struggle to kind of keep their game plan once they get into physical encounters, and I do think that our, uh, Argentina did a very good job of engaging in some of the physicality without going overboard, exemplified by the fact that Argentina got... Zero yellow cards.
0: Yeah, Japan got three, right? Mm-hmm. So I actually saw more fouls from Japanese yep. players, which I think comes through frustration. Yes, right. Wasn't it was I would agree. the moment when uh, was it Sugasawa elbows Kometi in yes. the mouth, yeah. just elbows are in the mouth. I mm-hmm. don't know if it's deliberate or not, but there's definitely a swing, mm-hmm. a swing of the elbow. I saw. It's just weird to see more fouls from Japanese players yep. than Argentina players. I don't know the stats, so maybe there mm-hmm. were more fouls from Argentina players when Argentina was the team desperate theoretically, desperately defending. Yes, uh,
1: but I think that you've kind of explained it there. It's like you see more fouls because the intensity is ratcheted up, uh, yeah. and, and so you're going to be trying to go for the ball even like that much harder. But then also the frustration is there of if that doesn't work. So going harder can mean more fouls, and more frustration can mean more fouls. But I want
0: to ask you my original question mm-hmm. again. Why do you... I know we don't really know the answer, yeah. but why do you think it... How is it possible that Japan didn't realise we need to switch the play? Like why didn't the coach just say all right maybe let's just go wing backs, and we'll have two mm-hmm. people pinned out wide we won't go with this weird narrow 4-4-2 to attack a narrow team
1: i mean i think there's maybe a, a fear that changing things very drastically as that i think kind of would have been yeah leaves you a little bit exposed but it also shows that so we like stick
0: to the plan kind yeah of thing.
1: we got and also we got <laughs> this wrong in the f- first game <laughs> yeah and so i th- i do think that there's an element of it there i also think when we see patterns of play consistently we've talked about this many times on the show that means they're doing it intentionally and i think the fact that there was one moment when i was like oh no but they've got their left back wide and then it was like she was 30 yards from their like right back basically like that's how far over they were and i think that was maybe what they were focusing on is not necessarily we'll spread it and we'll cause them problems i think it was we'll pack them into one side and we'll kind of find a way through there because we have numbers there to make it happen yeah it's a bad plan it really is because the as you've indicated several times the obvious way to do that is you cram everybody switch. onto one side and then you switch it very quickly yes. and also maybe that's part of it is that I think because they didn't have the personnel they were kind of going for that narrow approach on one side they then didn't have the personnel to do the big switch is why I think then if you do want to switch the play you have to slow it down and take your time and wait for it, make sure everybody else has kind of spread out before you can continue that pass
0: is it a confidence thing as well like you mentioned that they, they um, have a history of not coming from behind mm-hmm. if they go one down I would argue that if you get to the 60th minute and it's 0-0 yeah. against a team that everyone expects you to really smash mm-hmm. it's almost like losing, right? It's like being a goal down because yeah. you're a goal down what you're expected to be achieving. Yeah, right? I so mean, maybe they start to panic and. Like, we saw a lot of those passes especially in the second half looked mm-hmm. a little nervous yeah. and maybe it needs a confident player to switch the field because it like, it's a risky ball to hit right when you like, hit a ball like 50 yards mm-hmm. right across the field and you're trying to land it on someone's foot it's safer and easier to play a short pass to a teammate who's 10 yards from you yeah. and maybe they kept taking the safe option yeah
1: I, I, th- I think so but I think your initial point there is, is a very valid one that you look at who else in this group and it's England and Scotland we watch them play yeah. they're going to be two good teams England are a very good team obviously have the, the passing ability the like strong defensive presence and the ability to score goals. Scotland, I think we saw a, a aside from the penalty, a very disciplined game from them and they've got like, creative attackers who can cause problems. Yeah. So I think if you're Japan you look at this game as, okay, here's our game where we've got to get a result. We know that. And I equate it with like Strangely, it's FIFA where I've had this experience before. Of, like, you need to win a game like 5-0 to like overtake a team on aggregate or something like that. And so you're so focused on can I score five goals that you struggle to score the first goal. <laughs> and that's kind of what this felt like with Japan is that they were so focused on we know we need the three points. We have to be winning this at the end that they kind of sacrificed a – like a developed game plan in moments that like okay maybe if we do this now and make some changes and adjust our plan it's not going to look good right away but 20 minutes from now we'll kind of have implemented it and we'll get more chances and we'll get a goal
0: so they never got to that i phase. think they didn't
1: really want to take that risk of yeah, 20 yeah. minutes from now what happens
0: if that hasn't so was, worked was, so they just stick kept going to the plan right yeah they were just following orders stick to the plan and the plan didn't work yes yeah mm-hmm. all right so argentina nil japan nil well done to Argentina, though. First point at a World Cup. Um, yeah. Overcome huge obstacles. The uh, Argentine FA has not been very helpful. Mm-mm. Didn't we talk in the preview about how Argentinian women's professional football only yep. just turned professional mm-hmm. like a couple months ago? Yes. That the league's going to start soon? Yes. And they've managed to get to the World Cup and get a point even against those odds.
1: Yeah, and they were, what, inactive in 2015, uh, didn't play. Yeah. I, I wrote it down because I, I couldn't believe it. Uh, no matches between July of 2015 and October of 2017. Fox uh, put that one out there. Uh-huh. Uh, that's... A pretty significant gap. Yep. Um, but I, but I enjoyed. With all that said, there was lots of veteran experience in there, specifically uh, in Korea. The goalkeeper, who mm-hmm. uh, I think maybe started wasting time in the ninth minute, she would grab
0: any Japanese yes. cross and bring it down to yes. the ground and lie down. Yes. And waste a few seconds. And, yeah.
1: And then. It was, it was not so obvious. It, it did, She did do that in the ninth I would,
0: minute. I'd argue that was the only bit of veteran experience, though. The rest of the defenders yeah. were often just, like, desperately hacking clearances up the line, and yeah. they didn't go anywhere. Oh, yeah. Th- yeah. I mean, I wouldn't disagree and with that. And was, like, holding onto the ball yeah. a little bit too much. You could see the flashes mm-hmm. of skill, but there was nothing that could be created, really. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Yeah.
1: Oh, no. I mean, I, I, think, I think your insight into Argentina was not incorrect in that, again, we didn't see them, oh, they're trying to create these triangles and pass their way through it was a sort of okay we're going to try to get the ball like hit the ball long and the one that really stood out is when they did kind of argentina switched it from left to right they get this attacking opportunity uh she, i forget who it was who goes to cross the ball but she basically mishits it and it almost goes out of bounds yeah. like it it just felt like they kind of the freshness of playing in a world cup for the first time showed there. i think nerves got to argentina as well that when they did have those opportunities you saw them squander them a yep. little bit
0: all right before we talk uh, sure. canada cameroon mm-hmm. i want to talk Fox. Okay. Uh, not the not the actual broadcast, mm-hmm. but something we've learned about how you can watch Fox. So foxsports.com can and you? foxsportsgo.com, mm-hmm. um, we tried to watch... Uh, you can watch live, mm-hmm. right? If you've got a tv provider login, you can watch live. What we found is on the website, you cannot access replays. Mm-hmm. Only on the app. Yeah. So I want to... Share that with listeners in case people were as confused as we have been for the first two days. Yes. So to clarify, correct me if I'm wrong on this, this is what we've learned. On the Fox Sports app, if you've got an iPhone or an mm-hmm. iPad or like on your Apple TV or whatever, non-Apple products also, yep. um, you can watch replays through there. But if you go to their website and it says replays, you'll click on a replay and it will say, this event has concluded. It does just straight up just does not work on their website. We've had this confirmed by the tech people. Unless they're
1: rebroadcasting it in
0: that moment. If it happens to be being rebroadcast later at night, you can watch that. But then essentially, you're you're just watching live TV. (laughs) Exactly. So you can watch it live on the Fox Sports website. You cannot watch replays, even though it says replays. They said they're kind of working on it, but the the tech person I spoke to also suggested maybe this won't work out. So Mm -hmm. you should just use the app. I also appreciate that I'm hoping we save people some frustration of clicking replay, clicking, say, England, Scotland, and being like, this event is concluded. And you're like, yeah, it happened two days ago. I know that I clicked replay.
1: Have we gotten to the bottom of why we can't log in with different cable
0: providers yet? No. Okay. You can. We could access our cable provider eventually, right? It just took via them. the
1: iPad, not oh. on computer. On computer, yeah, uh, FiOS and Directv Now not available for all right. selection.
0: But I didn't want this to be complaining. I just wanted to get information out there. Well, yeah, that's you. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's hey. fine. It's fine. It's all, right. all good. So quickly, uh, uh-huh. Group D, yes, England at top three mm-hmm. points. Argentina and Japan are joint second yep. on a point. Scotland are currently bottom on zero points, but Scotland is still to play Argentina and Japan. Yes. Yes. I'm All excited.
1: right. I did say that that Scotland-Japan uh, game would be a very ugly game. That was one of my predictions. I stand by that prediction. Why so? Uh, because I oh, think...
0: Scotland defended deep against England, yes. right? Yes. Yeah. But I
1: also think at the time I said that I think both of them will get the victory against Argentina, so that sets up both of them needing a result, but since both of them need it, but no, both of them don't want to get stretched they end up sort of kind of sitting back a little bit. and and, maybe
0: Japan have to gamble a bit more. Yeah,
1: Yeah. it may may well be. It may well be. We shall see. We shall see, my friend.
0: All right, well, in Group E, uh, Canada opened it up uh, by beating Cameroon 1-0, a header from Buchanan, Mm -hmm. centre-back, in the second half. Yes. Good effort from Cameroon. Yeah. 5-4-1, another sort of defensive shape Mm -hmm. come at us, Canada, is essentially Mm -hmm. what they said. But they essentially lost it on a set-piece. That's the story of the game, and
1: I would say on a on a set piece that came about from an unforced error. Worth noting there as well.
0: Yeah, do you want to get into this? Because this is essentially how the goal happens.
1: Yeah, I mean they have uh, they Canada have three corners in about a two minute span, and I think they had like six in the final like ten minutes of the first half. But in this one, they, they have two corners. The second one is headed clear. Sort of, and then it's kind of like put back <laughs> in by Canada, uh, and then Cameroon get possession. They get it out wide, and then it's it's a very bad back pass from is it uh, N- Ndumbuk? Is Ndumbuk N- the striker? Uh, yeah. yeah, who's okay. back
0: defending the corner? Yeah, she gets a not great pass from um, um, Ajara and Joya, yeah. mm-hmm. the winger. Like, but she can basically control it, and then Ndumbuk, I think, doesn't either doesn't look correctly where her goalkeeper is. Yeah or just underhits the pass. I think and also puts the goalkeeper in a 50-50 situation, right?
1: I think is also probably a little bit uh panicked because she finds herself sort of now sort of going towards her own goal I mean going away from it because she's going towards the sideline but it's yeah. not the direction she wants to be going
0: and there's pressure from Prince right number 15 for Canada the right wing guy is putting yes. a bit of pressure on
1: but the ball as you said that the ball like that comes back to, uh, in the book is a little bit it's like ahead of her in the sense that it's played back but she has to then kind of run like diagonally to her left to get the ball yeah. but she has to move probably 4 or 5 yards and I think that she maybe thinks she's closer to the goal and thus closer to the goalkeeper when she goes for that back pass yep. so then when she hits it backwards if you imagine her being four yards closer to the goal that's a more understandable back pass four yards further away, and then it's a kind of 50-50 scramble that ends up with the goalkeeper putting it out for another corner.
0: I actually think it's worth highlighting that original pass Mm -hmm. that you talked about that was like slightly to the side of her and ahead of her. Um, That was a problem I saw with Cameroon. They they had this Mm -hmm. 5-4-1, right? And they have um, Ndumbuk at front. And their big plan, as far as I understand it from what I've seen in the past, is to go through the wingers, Mm -hmm. right? So um, I've forgotten her name again. It's uh, Ajara Mm Androya, who plays that pass backwards that doesn't help. Uh, is on one wing, um, and and is on mm-hmm. the other, and I saw a lot of times the ball would get out wide to them, and their passes sort of infield to start of connect to start connect play and build mm-hmm. an attack never quite came off. No. Maybe it's good defensive pressure from Canada, but I think that's where Cameroon's game plan fell down. Is those wingers just couldn't get it moving out wide. Uh,
1: that is true. Do you know what else Cameroon could not do? What's that? Uh, they could not mark Buchanan for the goal. Can Buchanan yeah. with, with a...
0: So this is the resulting corner kick yeah, that we just a, talked about. A
1: big header puts it in, uh, puts Canada ahead in the 45th minute, so like just before halftime, which is a major thing to do because it completely changes the dynamic for both teams at halftime. It stops it
0: being an Argentina-Japan situation, right? Exactly. relax at halftime
1: and yeah. But now Cameroon have to kind of figure out what they want to do instead. of Okay, let's hold on, let's kind of fine-tune the game plan because it's working and it's nil-nil. Now you've got to change it up theoretically because you're going to try to get an equalizer. So yeah, I think that is a massive difference maker, as is Buchanan, because it's a good header, but it's a better run-up and it's a better maybe... I think, design set piece. I'm not really sure. Or maybe it's just terrible marking from Cameroon. So here's
0: the setup, right? It's standard corner kick from Canada. Mm -hmm. Um, Every Cameroonian player is marking a Canadian player in the box. It's just like uh, man-to-man, woman-to-woman, like like, player-to-player marking, like one-to-one, except Buchanan, who is a threat on set pieces, right? Because she's a centre-back. Centre-backs always are. She's not... Like deep in the sort of the center yeah. and like that she's like basically at the top of the eighteen yard. Block. I think
1: she's a little bit further out so that it it is she's like right near like the top of the D almost and yeah. or like inside that and it looks maybe like she's just there in case the ball spills free.
0: Often a player is there like yeah if the yeah. ball gets cleared then mm-hmm. you're there to collect it or hit it or whatever right. Yes. But I think her plan is to go and attack it, and by being so far outside of where everybody is being marked, I think she gets forgotten.
1: Yes. Yes, is I it think, as simple as that? I, 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 yes, I believe so. Because you then have what two Cameroonian players kind of free. Yeah. Um it was Johnson. Johnson is the one who's free, but inside the six yard box, I think to maybe go attack something. You've got somebody defending the near post.
0: No, no, it's uh, it was number eight um, Fugio defending the near post, defending um. the six yard box. Johnson was actually just like loose.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's what I'm saying. But she's inside the six-yard box, and I think her role is if that ball goes to like the penalty spot, she's the one who's free to go out and attack it. Yeah, yeah. But she is not tasked with picking up Buchanan, I, I think. I see.
0: So we think her role is not that she was supposed to go and find Buchanan no. and didn't find her. Her role was everybody else is marked up. You're the one yeah. free player who can go and attack the ball.
1: That would yeah. be my guess. Okay, that makes sense to me. Except she doesn't really do... is also Johnson
0: the American, right? Yes, yeah. but
1: this is why it's... Well, Cameroonian-American. Yeah. Uh, but this is why it doesn't... I, I have a hard time deciding what she's actually tasked with doing because she doesn't really go and attack it, but she never looks to Mark Buchanan. So she co- sort of just kind of backpedals a little bit Makes a half-hearted attempt to head it, but it's beyond her. Buchanan, meanwhile, is wide open, unmarked. Crushing the far post. Unobstructed run, as we talked about, is to the benefit of the header. Uh, See Wendy Renard's two goals. Uh, And another (laughs) one here, because unobstructed you can get on the end of it, and at the back post, the goalkeeper's sliding over, never going to be able to make too much of a play on that one, and it's 1-0 to Canada.
0: You know who wasn't unobstructed? Who's that? N'Goda Undum, the Cameroonian goalkeeper. Mm -hmm. Um, She starts making her way to that back post. Prince, number 15 for Canada. Very smartly just kind of steps in her way like it's not egregious it's just a little like there's enough of her there to stop the goalkeeper yeah. getting to the back post
1: yes i think Ngo does herself a disservice though because she uh, does the thing we talked about yesterday with uh, australia's goalkeeper lydia, is williams. It John- lydia williams thank you i could not remember if it was johnson or williams uh johnson was here um <laughs> but yeah it's like it's the you're so hyped up to go try to claim that ball off of a set piece and claim it in midair and make sure that nothing happens that You're just going to do that no matter what. So as soon as that ball is struck, she steps out and Go steps out. And now, basically, because she's taken herself into the six-yard box, you never are going to get the obstruction call that you probably otherwise would if she had waited and then made that immediate play to get the ball at the back post.
0: And instead, Buchanan really Mm -hmm. thumps it home with her head, Yep. yep, yep. 1-0 Canada before Mm halftime. I think the other thing we should talk about with Canada is their shape. Because I think they did a good conservative job. Okay. Is that yeah, fair? I would agree with that yeah.
1: because uh, they're in a back four. It was listed as a four four two. Yeah, I think at times it was that. I would say it was more like a four two three one, it's especially later on. Absolutely a
0: four two three yes. one. Yes. Yeah.
1: And the idea, I believe, was that basically that system allowed for uh, Chapman, the left back, Lawrence, the right back for Canada, to get far more aggressively forward. Yeah, they really went for it. Yeah, but then you had Scott and Schmidt, uh, Schmidt, thank you, as your two midfielders staying very deep and really staying. Mm -hmm. Like there maybe were a couple chances we saw them get involved in the attack, but for the most part it was sitting back, and then in Schmidt's case it was popping out in different spots to cover.
0: Yep. Uh, yeah Yeah. so they would they would sit in front of the two Uh centre-backs and even if needed if there was a threat out wide Scott and Schmidt the two defensive midfielders would spread and like go and play fullback for a little bit so Lawrence and Chapman the two fullbacks just had complete licence to overlap add all kinds of width to the Canadian attack to get around Cameroon and then Scott and Schmidt are the the security the insurance that you won't get caught out by sending those numbers forward because we've always got at least four back two centre-backs two defensive midfielders it was a really smart honestly Japan should have done something like this yes they should have I, I I got that
1: a little bit wrong because Schmidt would cover but the one that really stood out was Scott was the one yes. who, who would basically go play right back when Lawrence would yeah. bomb forward. And
0: Lawrence got forward more than Chapman yes. right? I, th- I don't know if she's the better player but she was certainly the more um, attacking player. Yes but I think that also. But well, wearing number 10 right? Similar to Francis left back Marjorie wearing uh, As number you do. 10. As yeah. you do. Uh, this is a great feature of this World Cup though yeah. attacking fullbacks who are super confident wearing number 10. I'm, I'm here for it.
1: But I think we're getting then <laughs> at the kind of problem with Canada's attack though is that if you have your two centre backs stay back and your two center midfielders stay home and maybe cover for those attacking fullbacks your wingers Cut inside, but don't necessarily get yep. aggressively inside. Be
0: Prince and Becky for people who are trying to learn yeah. about the Canadian team.
1: So it essentially leaves you with Christine Sinclair to aim at if you're kind of an overla- overlapping fullback playing a ball into the box. Sinclair, who it seemed like multiple times in this game, was still a little bit in the Portland mindset of dropping in and not yeah. necessarily leading the line. This is interesting, right? Yeah. So the
0: idea should be that Christine Sinclair is the center forward and mm-hmm. underneath her is the creative Jesse Fleming. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Christine Sinclair, instead of staying up against the Cameroon defenders, would almost just drift back and be on the same plane as Fleming. So you had two attacking midfielders and no striker. And I feel like maybe Canada would have had a lot more goals if Sinclair had just... D- stuck herself up against the Cameroonian yeah. centre backs and been like, "All right, I'm here. Let's let's get me some service." Yeah, I mean, too
1: selfless, maybe, may- maybe a little bit. But I think also maybe just wanting to make sure that they don't like leave any space in the middle, get counterattacked upon. Yeah. Um, I- I think or maybe she just wants
0: to get involved. Maybe it's that she wants as to well. not be selfish and just I'm going to stand yeah. up and score goals, stand up here and score goals. Mm-hmm. Maybe she wants to come and help out and connect play.
1: Yeah, and that's not the worst feature to have. Uh, one thing I think we left out from our review of uh, Japan's game, uh, Japan's lack of victory, I guess, yeah. is that. But also, it seemed like as the game went on, they became much more individualistic. They were trying to yeah, take yeah, yeah. two and three players on instead of looking for simple passes and trying to combine quickly. Canada, I think, kept going for a variety of attacks. Not a lot of them came off. And then, especially as the game wore on, they're less inclined to commit numbers forward. But it did feel like they would try a few through the middle. They'd try a few from crosses. They tried to co- kind of combine out wide and have one of those wingers cut inside. So I did appreciate the kind of variety of yeah. attacking efforts we saw from Canada, even if they weren't necessarily successful in finding well, the net.
0: I definitely got the feeling. Been nothing to worry about from this Canadian no. performance, not least because it because of those two defensive midfielder, the jobs they mm-hmm. did, Scott and Schmidt, it just felt so secure yeah. that it just made me feel, if I was a Canadian fan, I'd feel safe.
1: Yeah, You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean... I, There's I a think, plan and it kind of works. Yeah, I, I think whenever you are a heavily favoured team playing against a, a relatively inexperienced team, Cam- this is not Cameroon's first World Cup, but still, yeah. Like I, I think it feels like maybe this should have been a bigger result, but the reality is... A goal, a shutout, three points. Yeah. That's kind of what you need.
0: The alternative, again, is what happened to Japan, right? Exactly. That's what you've got to avoid. Mm -hmm. And that's what at least uh, two teams will be, three teams will be hoping to avoid tomorrow. Mm -hmm. It is... New Zealand-Netherlands at 9 a.m. I'm excited it's for that one. Chile-Sweden at noon. I'm excited for that one. It's USA versus Thailand at 3 p.m. I'm somewhat excited for that one, strangely enough. What? Yeah, I think because it's not a really dangerous opponent, yeah. it's less exciting, right? We're yeah. just assuming the U.S. is going to win this, and we're more going to be picking apart the U.S. performance, thinking about uh, um, what went right, what went wrong. Did Rose Lavelle look good? Did Lindsay Horan look fit? And so on and so forth.
1: Yes, I would agree with that. I would also say this... Kaylin and I kind of talked about this, but not to, like, this level. But it it feels like a potential, like, poison chalice almost because it's either, oh, great, you won 6-0, that's what you were supposed to do, or you only won 1-0, things are not okay. Yeah, like yeah. So I, I'm going to try to avoid that sort of thinking when it comes to the U.S. Women's National So if team. they only win 1-0, you're yeah. going to
0: try not to say the sky is falling.
1: Exactly. Yeah. And I certainly wouldn't say that because 1-0 is still a win, as we've already <laughs> just said. But I'm going to pay attention to uh, what Caitlin talked about, some of the stuff that you and I have talked about, mm-hmm. and what I hope to see from them kind of like... In terms of an overall team performance, as opposed yep. to did Tobin Heath destroy eight million defenders? Because the answer already is yes. We already know yes. Yes, we did. Right? Mm-hmm.
0: Um, in terms of the other games, New yep. Zealand, Netherlands. Um, look out for Rosie White because she's awesome. Yep, playing for New Zealand. Um, look out for that front three from the Netherlands because that most that might be the most exciting attacking trio in the whole tournament. Yes, but that are is worth, they
1: as awesome as Rosie White?
0: I mean, we'll find out tomorrow, <laughs> right? We'll find out at nine a.m. We will um, at noon. Chile, mm. I think. I mean, again, I I previewed them. I think they're kind of similar to Argentina. Mm-hmm. Not a great team, but who knows? After what we saw from Argentina, yeah. right? They may be able to put up this, some big defensive effort. Sweden, you previewed Sweden, right? Yep. Um, I'd be interested to know can Sweden break a team down? Yes, because they're uh, more often they're the team that is like more solid, and you mm-hmm. know
1: what I mean. Yeah, I mean, I think uh, formation will be interesting because Sweden are one of the the few teams in this tournament who I think can play with a back three or a back four, depending yeah. on what they want to do. So how they kind of like line up will I think give us an indication as to maybe what their approach is Mm -hmm. but then also the thing I talked about in the preview is having the sort of combination of very veteran players who have been there and yeah, and like the spine is very veteran with like a lot of young players who are hoping to have an impact but young players who don't necessarily score goals too regularly so I don't know how many chances Sweden will create this is famous last words they're going to win like seven no (laughs) Um, but yeah how they manage to kind of find their way through It's, it's similar similar ish to japan heading into this one of like some veterans some newbies uh like a like potential variety of, of styles but not necessarily a lot of consistency in front of goal playing against a defensive opponent we'll see what happens
0: all right so that is what Tuesday is tomorrow i would uh, back the swedes tuesdays by the way. women's world cup new zealand netherlands chile sweden usa thailand we will of course have reviews of all those games tomorrow of course of course all right taylor let's close with some scouting reports we have one two three four five six Updates from the Total Soccer Show Scouting
1: Network. We do indeed, starting with David Kishbaugh scouting Jeremy Abobase, 21-year-old forward for the Portland Timbers. Uh, On Sunday, Abobase came on in the 76th minute of the Timbers' home opener versus LAFC. Home opener. That's right. They just remodeled the stadium. There it is. Did you see the before and after? It's kind of insane.
0: I, it looks a lot bigger.
1: But, like, did you see the one from, like, 10 years ago when it was still oh, like no. a baseball field, basically? Oh. It's oh, when slightly did, different. Where did you see this? Uh, maybe
0: Merritt Paulson retweeted
1: that oh, one. I see. forget. Maybe Richard Farley. I forget. They're, they're very similar, those two. Okay, I'll go find. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Eight minutes later, uh, he got, above to say, got on the end of a cross and popped the ball forward to Brian Fernandez, who finished with a bicycle kick from the top of the six-yard box. So an assist. Just like they drew it up in the dressing room. The goal cut <laughs> LAFC's lead to 3-2, which was the final score.
0: Oh, so the home opener was a defeat. But yeah. I guess LFC are beating everybody but
1: Jeremy Abubas say scored a goal and that's always a win
0: yeah Chase Paul is scouting mm-hmm. Getson Fernandes the 20 year old midfielder for Benfica and Portugal Chase says Getson Fernandes played all three group games for Portugal at the U20 World Cup but it was a, f- a fairly disappointing showing for the team finishing third in the group behind Argentina and Korea mm-hmm. which is the major like upset right Portugal was expected to go far yep. um, from what I could tell from the highlights uh, says Chase a Fernandez played deeper in the midfield than he does at Benfica and wasn't involved in many attacks he did pick up a cell phone off the pitch that was apparently dropped in the pre-game festivities by a volunteer so there's that
1: picking up phones picking up markers it's all good uh, Francisco Sarmiento scouting Daniel Leva, 16 year old Mexican-American midfielder for the Seattle Sounders uh, Leva finally made his MLS debut coming off the bench for Alex Roldan in the 82nd minute he looked good and had a few touches
0: it's a big deal 16 year old mm-hmm. I've seen Lever play for the um, U17s I think and I think yeah I yeah like that's yeah. right mm-hmm. Zach Rose is scouting Ronaldo Vieira the 20 year old English midfielder at Sampdoria who is really a real player, mm-hmm. that is not a made-up name, Ronaldo <laughs> Vieira, 20-year-old English midfielder at Sampdoria. There do
1: seem to be more and more Ronaldo's popping up. Have yeah, you noticed that?
0: Yeah. Um, Zach says Ronaldo played 20 minutes to help Sampdoria ensure a 2-0 victory over Juventus on the final day of the Serie A season. He only made 15 appearances throughout the season, uh, but transfer transfer rumours have popped up linking Ronaldo with a move to Milan, AC All Milan. Right. Uh,
1: that should be fun for the tabloids, Ronaldo to Milan. Yeah. That won't generate any headlines. Tom Gaffney. That generate a
0: lot of clicks for some very... Disappointed um,
1: Milan fans? Um,
0: yeah, and Some very um, unscrupulous websites. Also that, yes.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Tom Gaffney scouting James Sands, the 18-year-old American centre-back slash defensive midfielder for NYC FC. Sands will likely be out for three to four weeks after suffering a broken arm in a 5-2 win over FC Cincinnati at Yankee Stadium on Thursday night. Young James suffered the injury in a collision with goalkeeper Brad Stuyver. He attempted to play through the pain but was forced off in the 57th minute. Can
0: we stop there? Uh How do you play through the pain of a broken arm?
1: Just, you know, with intensity. (sighs) yeah I don't know maybe maybe he's big in like meditation mind over matter, that sort of thing I don't know. Uh, but I would not want to do that. Uh-uh. My, my guess is probably they wrapped it up. They tried to secure it as best they could. But still, pain is pain. Yeah. Um, uh, it's a shame for Jimmy, said coach Dome Torrent, who noted that Sands was on the verge of being called up to Jason Christ's U23 national team. I'm so sorry for him because he deserved to play for the national team, and it was a good opportunity for him. This is Torrent uh, continuing. Yeah. Uh, I repeat, it's a pity for him because he played really well in the season, but he's a young player, and he has time to recover.
0: So, yeah, if you haven't seen the U23 camp call-up, essentially Jason Christ has called up a bunch of players for a U23 camp to get ready for the Olympics. Mm-hmm. But it's not the final roster, so don't worry about it. Okay. That's my, that's my take on it. There we go. Yeah, it's basically who is available. I think, I think U23 if there's one camp.
1: thing we've learned about, like, the men's side of US soccer right now, no worrying at all to be done.
0: <laughs> no overreacting. A-okay. Oh, we'll talk more about that in the coming days, right? Yay. Um, final report is from Taylor Williams. It's about mm-hmm. Matt day the 21-year-old American right-back for... It used to be Man United, uh-huh. but now it's unattached. But now it's unattached. Here's Taylor's report. Mm-hmm. Alessandri's Man United contract expires July 1st and United have released him. He was on that list of players who were leaving the club. Right? Mm-hmm. He was on the list with Herrera. So yeah, that That's good. good. Yeah. And Valencia. He only played five games in the Premier League 2 this past season mm-hmm. and he has been released. Yeah. So the question is, what next for Matt Alessandri?
1: That is uh, the big question. The slightly smaller US question. US International, Matt Alessandri. Sigh. Yeah. Uh, the, the slightly more interesting question to me is: Has he actually been released, or have they just not renewed his contract? Because if his contract both right. Well, no. I guess my question is like: If his contract was going to expire on July first or June thirtieth, oh. were they really like, you know what? No. <laughs> like, we really don't need you for these twenty <laughs> no, no, days. I think what
0: happens is you get like basically a little yeah. vacation mm-hmm. in the middle of June and July, yeah. and you have to report back for preseason training. What like July. Tenth, something like that, right? That sounds about right. Sounds like right. He's had about two years of vacation. So, but I'm saying you he's almost like getting that vacation, uh-huh. and he's been told, I mean, don't come back for preseason. <laughs> You, but you won't want to make him show up. How do I phrase you this? You can't make him show up at Old Trafford or carry. Was they train <laughs> yeah. Carrington? Carrington and yeah. train for the next three weeks when he knows his contract's going to be released. Right? This <laughs> is it's fine. This yeah. is not a bad thing. Everybody
1: who's going to be at Carrington next season, step forward. Mad on Sunday, <laughs> not so fast. <laughs> I, I think that's Sunday, probably how they did. Take it. a step back. Yeah, exactly. <laughs>
0: You too, Ander Herrera, I mean, and learn some French.
1: Knowing the way United have been run the last couple of years, would you be surprised uh, if that's how they cut players? I still would. All right.
0: yeah. Yeah, <laughs> so, yeah, me too. So we're joking, but obviously it's. it seems like he obviously yeah. didn't make the grade at Man um, United, you know, but mm-hmm. he's only 21. We hope for the best for Matt on Sunday. Maybe it's an MLS contract. Maybe it's a USL contract. Who knows? Let's like keep being a professional soccer player, please. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How many
1: The Grass Isn't Always Greener think pieces are going to be written about this one?
0: I'm going to say zero because okay. his profile's not that high. All
1: right. We'll yeah. see. We'll see. Uh-huh
0: you write one now I'm not sure
1: it. how it's going to be. I, I guess I'll have to do like a Google alert for <laughs> Grass is Always Greener Plus on a Sunday, something <laughs> yeah, like that. we right. do that.
0: Um, if people would like to join the Scouting Network and support the Total Soccer mm-hmm. Show, the URL is totalsoccershow.com slash join. Correct. Uh, once again, today's sponsor was Simple Contacts. The code is TSS20 for $20 off correct and correct. your contact lens prescription. Um, all that remains to say is Taylor Rockwell, thank you for taking the time to talk to me and Caitlin Murray today. Right back at you, buddy. Listeners, thank you for listening. and. We'll be back again tomorrow with a review of the US Women's National Team's 2019 World Cup debut.